Check out my podcast show, Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman, Thursdays at 9 p.m. I talk about everything and anything. I'm all about sharing what I know and about learning as well. Hola, welcome to On The Wake Up Radio. Shout out to my producer, Cindy Ashby. Tonight's episode is about, well, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You're listening to my show, Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. I'm your hostess, Boricua Angie. To call in, the number is 844-818-4433. You can catch us on thewakeupradio.com and otwtube.com. As I always say, some can relate, some appreciate, some hate. So being that it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I think it all started, and I wish I would have done my research better because I have the story about the bride or the bride-to-be who was killed on her wedding day, and I don't know if that's what also started the movement, but as I've always said before, because I've spoken about and I've always told my stories in, in, in front of people at events, um, anything during the time for October, even before October, but I've always told my story. Um, domestic violence happens, like it could be happening right now, this very second. It happens every day, every week, every month. It's just something that happens all the time, whether to women, children, and it also happens to men. Men are definitely not excluded from this because they also go through this as well. So with that being said, I want to just share my story before I introduce one of the ladies tonight. I'm still waiting on one more. So I'm going to read mines. So I grew up in a home where there was domestic violence. I saw and went through it from the age of eight to 18. As a single mother woman, I kept meeting narcissists, abusers, thieves over the years. But once they put their hands on me or tried to control me, they were out of my life for good. All it took was one time. The two men I'm about to talk about took longer for me to walk away. One I had feelings for, the other, I just liked the physical things he did. Over the past two years, I met two men who seemed so charming, cool. We had some things in common. This is also to show how similar they are. I was talking to two guys at the same time. I am a single woman doing me. Three months into dealing with them, they started to change. They stopped being nice. They didn't want me around my friends. They complained about anything I did. They thought they could gaslight me, manipulate me, control me. They didn't like how I was, how I wasn't doing what they wanted. What ended up putting his hands on me, all because I wanted him to use a condom because he loved having unprotected sex with lots of women. He thought I would never find out. I got the police involved, got an order of protection against him for the next five years. The other guy called me crazy, insecure for something that was always true. My gut instinct was telling me something was wrong and it was. He was playing women, manipulating, using them to get money from them for something he didn't really have a passion for. He targeted women because of their weight. He thought these women like myself had no confidence, love for themselves, that we needed to say, that we needed him to say how beautiful we are. He made it seem like nobody wanted us. By saying the right thing, but also the wrong thing, he saw he could make a living off of this. I said no more and made sure women knew. I always spoke up 
never stay quiet. I did it for the women who are not ready to speak up. I'm here to be your voice. Just know you are not alone and it was never your fault. To the friends and family who don't understand and think it will never happen to you, never say never. Let's stop victim shaming and laughing about this. This could be your mother, aunt, sister, cousin, grandmother, daughter. It happens to men as well. Thank you. Okay, so I have Lydia with me tonight and you could introduce yourself. Okay, so yes, I am Lydia. Um, just like you, my domestic violence story started when I was a child. Um, the earliest that I remember is about five or six years old. Um, I lived with my mother and my father and my father was very abusive. Um, he was on drugs, he drank alcohol all the time. And so it was kind of this household just full of abuse, full of tension, full of anxiety um, all the time. And, you know, some of my earliest memories are remembering him punching holes in the walls and, um, you know, just being very abusive, hitting my mother, choking my mother. Um, and my mother had a terminal illness. She had sickle cell. And so she was already very ill. And so um, I just remember holding a lot of anxiety intention in my body as a child. Um, I started to act out a lot, just screaming for attention for someone to ask me what was going on or ask what was going on at home. And um, that just didn't happen. And a lot of times children, myself included, are just labeled bad. It's just like, oh, that's just the bad kid because we're acting out. But it's like, no, I'm just being, you know, abused at home. My mother is being abused at home. And, um, and I didn't get the help that I wish that I had gotten. And um, so unfortunately, my mom did pass away when I was 12. And so um, a lot of that was her illness, but there were still so many unanswered questions around her death. And uh, me and her mother and her best friend were all like, we just felt like my father had something to do with it. Um, and just through that process of also not getting justice for that just was very, very, very painful. Um, and so a lot of times I had nightmares, you know, I would remember him punching holes in the walls and just that anxiety carried over into my life as an adult. Um, and I just had trouble with my identity. I had trouble in relationships. Um, I would always think, almost think that it was something wrong with a man if he wasn't verbally abusing me or putting his hands on me. Um, I would think of them as weak, you know, because that was a cycle that I grew up in. It's just what I knew. And so um, it was just very difficult to be in relationships. Um, and so I started to isolate. I became depressed. I became suicidal. Um, and so I just went through this very toxic cycle for years. Um, and I was finally able to go to therapy to get the treatment and healing that I needed um, and have been able to share my story. Um, and then fast forward to now, I'm a therapist and now I get to help children who have been through that same situation and be that voice for them. Um, and so I just want to encourage people that if there's a child in your life, maybe you're a teacher, maybe, you know, you see neighborhood kids around you and you see like something's off. Maybe they're acting out all the time. Maybe they're very disrespectful. Like take the time to sit down and really see what's going on. Right. Maybe they just need somebody to be that ear, somebody, you know, to um, sit down and really hear them and really look out for them um, because you could save that person's life, that child's life. Um, so yeah, that's my story. Thank you so much. You you made such a good point and I feel like it's hard because people never really think about that when you said about how children with their behavior. 
And it's so true because I can say that because I do have kids. I have three. And I feel like my youngest one was affected the most because of his father. His father is a narcissist. He did abuse me and stuff. And at one time it was physical, but then after that was more like an emotional, mental type thing. But my son was affected and he went through a lot and people did see the behavior and it sucked because I always, at times I didn't want to say too much of my personal business, but when it came to how they looked at him and how they looked at me, I had to let people know exactly why he was behaving that way and how I wish I could have taken the father out of the picture. But you know, when you live here and the laws and courts and how things work, unless it's something major, the father cannot be removed out of the picture, no matter how much of an a-hole he is, you know, and it sucks because kids have to suffer and go through this because they're not even protected the right way. But it really does suck. But I'm, I'm glad that you actually brought that up because people don't really think about those type of things. And maybe sometimes they don't they don't want to ask kids questions. And some people will and some just don't. So but again, thank you for sharing that. Thank um, you. Denise, um, I got you on finally. So you can introduce yourself and um, tell me your story. All right. So, yeah, my name is Denise and. My story is a personal story. Um, it's not so much from the physical point of view, but more from an emotional abuse point of view. Um, I guess it's been about 15 years ago now. Um, I was coming out of my marriage to my ex-husband, my daughter's father, and the guy I got involved with, he was one of those guys where, you know, surface, he was in it nice, you know, dressed real nice. He wasn't, you know, really attractive, handsome, but, you know, he had the, all the other qualities. And I guess at that point, just because I was coming out of my marriage, you know, I guess I kind of wanted to feel wanted. And no one what I did know about him. I guess I felt kind of flattered that he wanted to be with me, but little did I know what I was getting into emotionally with him. And, you know, to this day, he doesn't feel like he did anything wrong. You know, like I vividly remember our first argument and I didn't even, wasn't even aware that we had an argument. And the thing was we worked together. So I came into work, hey, good morning. And I got a real dry mm, morning. And just that whole day, it was real dry. And we went to lunch together and there was no conversation. I couldn't understand what I had done or what the issue was. And like, it got to the point where it was so bad Instead of going home, I couldn't go home because I was so upset. I cried. I mean, one of those gut-wrenching cries. So I had to stop at one of my girlfriend's houses until I could get myself together. Come to find out, it was because we had had a conversation through the Yahoo Instant Messenger. This was years ago when Yahoo <laughs> Instant Messenger was a thing. And, you know, we had talked about some things we wanted to do. So we had talked about how, you know, 
he wanted most guys' dreams, the guy-girl-guy three-way. I'm like, all right, so if we do it that way, I want to do it the other way. The girl, you know, the guy-girl-guy, and come to find out that's what it was, that he had gotten upset because I suggested something like that, that it was me that suggested something like that and not him. And that was just the first of many things. He was just very controlling. He didn't like the way I dress. You know, my skirts and my dresses would be too short, too tight. I wore too much makeup, anything. You know, any little thing would set him off. And his punishment was always that he would stop speaking to me. And so, you know, when people talk about domestic violence and domestic abuse, you know, I always chime in and say, well, you know, it's not just physical, you know, it's emotional too. And the emotional leaves scars just as well. And once I finally got, I guess, I don't know if I want to say my courage, but my self-esteem back up to where it was, where I was like, F you, I'm out, I'm done, you know, and we ended up having an off and on relationship for, I want to say about five years now. And if I could say some of the things he said about me, you know, I was an effed up friend, all I was good for was this. You know, I was no count, I was nasty, I was a whore, I was this, I was that. And, you know, it got to the point where I was like, all right, you know what, I deserve better. And I finally had to just walk away. And after that, I think it took me about a year before I seriously started dating, even considered dating anybody else with that. No, thank you. No, thank you for sharing that because that was another thing that really bothered me. People always assume and think that domestic violence is always physical, but they forget that it's an emotional and mental thing as well. It can be also very damaging and people don't, it's like people, I don't know, they don't think about that. And then again, like I said, it just sucks because people have this thing where they think it's never going to happen to them. Maybe it won't, but there will always be that one person who will come into your life. Like I said, they, they could be the most charming person in the world because like I said, I've experienced it. I will have people that will put their hands in the fire for these people because it's like, no, not him. That's not the type of person, but people forget. They're not going to do the same thing and the same type of behavior that they do with someone that they're involved. Like, why would they do that to their friend? Why would they do that to anybody else? They have, they know exactly what they're doing because they have to keep that image. They can't do the same thing they do to the woman they're dealing with, to their friend and anybody else. They're definitely, they're not going to go do that to another man. So they know exactly of the type of things that they're doing. And I, like I said, I've, I've come across that. And it's sad when you're trying to, you're trying to tell people, you know, to beware, to look out. This is a, and, and, and of course I know Denise, you know me and I'm, I'm always posting my lives and I'm always talking about something because I feel like, you know, maybe somebody out there might need to hear it. Somebody, somebody has to hear it just to know that they're not alone, that this is not something that if somebody did speak up, we're going to be like, you know, just like, oh, ignore that. No, never. Because this actually does happen. It always happens. But what I wanted to do is because Lydia brought up a good point, even though it's, um, 
kind of similar, but it's about like co-parenting with a, with a toxic ex. Cause I was looking into, so it says like nine narcissistic personality traits, checklists and common myth signs. So it says one of the biggest problems when researching narcissist behaviors, traits or definition is article usually focus on one narcissist type, grandiose narcissist. This can be misleading to those dealing with other types. Let's go over some narcissistic definitions, signs, diagnosis, and behaviors, because this is really important. I have always said it. I, I think it's because of like who we are. And like what Lydia said, it was a very good point because we go through this and think that, oh, when men treat us this way, like we think, you know, this is this is an okay thing. And that's something that it took years to finally learn. And even for, I think from before, because of what I see my mom go through already in my mind, it was like, I didn't want to go through this. I wanted to break the cycle, but I still always ended up in situations, but never to the point how she was for so many years. Like, I feel like even if it was a couple of months a year in my mind, it's like, I let that person go. And I, once I let them go, that's it. Like I said, they're never coming back into my life again because that's not how I want to be treated. I mean, it sucks to, to feel, you know, that somebody's pretending to care for you, but they don't. And you see yourself crying and miserable. That's not the way I want to be because I don't, I know better for myself. I know that I deserve more and I'm definitely worth it. So definitions, here's the, the main one, the narcissist. It says extremely self-centered with an exaggerated se sense of self-importance. Most people are guilty of mild or occasional narcissistic behaviors, some more than others, but this doesn't necessarily mean that they have narcissistic personality disorder. So narcissistic personality disorder. It says potential diagnosis of a mental condition in which individuals must meet five out of nine criteria listed in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders Used by Healthcare Professionals. Narcissistic Personality Disorder focuses on grandiose narcissism. We have the pathological narcissism. Based on a continuum of current research captures criteria that are missed in the DSM-5 for narcissistic personality disorders. Pathological narcissism includes grandiose and vulnerable narcissism. So we're going to go through it. The pathological narcissism signs. It says frequency, intensity, and duration distinguish certain narcissistic behaviors from pathological narcissism. It says destructive signs to look out for. Exploitation of others, cohesive control, mental abuse, gaslighting abuse, lack of empathy, manipulation. While some people may exhibit narcissistic traits occasionally and mildly, a pathological narcissist will routinely use destructive narcissistic tactics in order to gain false superiority and exploit relationships. The narcissistic personality disorder traits. Many professionals and advocates that have a deep understanding of narcissism and work with either narcissistic personality disorder individuals or their inmate partners would agree that we need an update in DSM to reassemble our current understanding. So when I go through the here we go. Diagnostic criteria for a narcissistic. Lack of empathy. Unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others, which is very true. Has a grandiose self sense of self-importance. Exaggerates achievements and talents. Boy, do I know this so well. Expects to be recognized as superior without what, commensurate achievements. Gosh, we got to use the big words. Preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. 
requires excessive admiration, believes that he or she is unique or special and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people, has a sense of entitlement, unreasonable expectations and favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations, interpersonally exploit exploitative, takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own needs, shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitude, often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. So I'm reading that and it just reminds me of the last person I was dealing with. And it's funny because I joke around and I say things like, you know, I'm a witch, but I feel like all of us probably go through it as we get older and maybe from our experiences where is that whole thing about that intuition that we women have. I don't know about men, but I know that we women definitely that intuition and gut feeling that we get. And at times I feel like when I was speak, I was probably speaking from a place where I was like, I already know this. I've seen this just telling him right in his face. I was like, you know, you basically want to be treated like, you know, you're special. You're the main one. You want to have somebody to, to look at you in a way like, you know, thinking that they're superior. They're the only ones like they have to be, Oh no, they have to be the priority from what I've noticed about that person. I felt like he wanted to be the priority. Same thing with it's saying here. He would talk about things that he was planning on doing that never happened because it's like, if you're doing that to me and you did it to others, it's a years of the same storyline and nothing has happened, but it's good to talk about it because it makes them look good. And we're listening to it thinking like, oh, that's okay. So you have goals and ambitions, or, or these are your plans of what you want to do. And you're thinking like, you're listening to it thinking like, okay, not even knowing that this is something that they're using on more than just one person. They know exactly how to keep the same routine. Um, what else did I have I noticed? Yes, it was a lot of the games, how in the beginning, you know, they were so sweet, nice, so understanding. And then after that, it's just kind of like, oh, I don't want to be bothered. Like, what do you want? And, you know, um, no, I don't really feel like it or I don't want to see you today. Many things that after a while, you're kind of like, okay. I, I, it's funny because I walked away and I was made to feel like I was crazy. Like, why am I always coming after him for things that he said he was never doing? He made himself to seem like he was so innocent, such a good guy, and to be the complete opposite. So something that I want to say today that I had a conversation with my friend, and it bothered me a little bit because when people, uh, like I said, who are not experiencing the situation, and they defend the other person. And I'm over here, like, in my mind, like, how can we call him a good man when he's really a piece of shit? Because a good man would not mislead a woman, would not manipulate, would not try to use her to get, you know, benefit out of whatever's happening, whether if it's money, sex or whatever. And then the, the fact of um speaking horrible of other women in your presence, like that, I guess what people like to call like pillow talk, because it's like, you're sitting there listening, like, you sure this is a good man? Oh, he's a good man to you because he's not doing any of these things, but he's doing it to other people. So we have two different views. And I will still say that's not a good man. Not when he's doing that. Not when he's having babies. And then the baby mama is the problem. Not when he's dealing with women and he's no longer talking to them. And the woman is the problem. It seems that we women are always the problem. It's never them. Because once we do something again, we're crazy, insecure. What is she talking about? I never did that. And those little games too. I never did any of that. 
I don't know what she's talking about. The little games that they play. And it sucks. And it just takes time for people to see things because, you know, I'm I'm guilty of that. It, it takes me time. And it's one of those things I said again, I will never second guess myself no more. Like if I know I feel something and something's not right, I'm going to go with that because that's telling me something like, here's, oh, the whole thing about the red flags, if, if whoever's listening to this and eventually it will be on the show and it will, and you know, it will be on other um, streaming apps. I don't know who started the red flags thing, but that's not funny. It's, it's not funny at all because those red flags have been, been put in place for what I've noticed for myself for things when it comes to like domestic violence or certain things to look out for when it comes to people. I've noticed that people have been using red flags for like the silliest things that in my mind, like those are not jokes. Those red flags for, like I said, really do mean something. It's more of beware of that person, something to walk away, run away, something to look for that is something serious, not for the things that Facebook and everybody else has been posting because the red flags have nothing to do with that. So I don't know who started it. I don't like it at all because like I said, I've posted it on my page and in my mind, I was like, I hope they don't think I'm participating in this little game because I'm not. I was trying to make a real put a post that really meant something. And when I put the red flags, it's, it's, to me, it was more of like a warning, a warning of this is what to look out for. And this is what it is. But I'm trying to think of what else. So any for anyone out there also who's experiencing like myself, if you are a parent and you are no longer with your ex. So these are another things about co-parenting with a toxic ex. Most co-parenting information you can you come across on the internet simply won't work when you are dealing with a high conflict toxic ex. While co-parenting works for 70% of parents and is the best solution for children, co-parenting for the other 30% who are dealing with a high conflict ex can actually make it more hostile, toxic, and dangerous. Narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths, and high conflict personalities. Experts in high conflict divorce and custody cases agree that the core of the conflict derives from at least one parent having a personality disorder like a narcissist, psychopath, antisocial, sociopath, and histrionic personalities. These these individuals typically have co-occurring disorders and unhealthy coping behaviors such as bipolar, depression, anxiety, porn, drugs, and alcohol. Most are diagnosed and may never be. So divorce and custody battles. If you're in a high conflict divorce, custody battle, or having an incredibly hard time co-parenting with your ex, it's likely you're dealing with an ex who has a disorder. These personalities are more than just jerks. They're controlling, toxic, and even abusive. They do not possess the ability to put the child's need first. However, they still have equal legal rights as a parent, which can cause a lot of conflict, heartbreak, and can be damaging to the child's future. And that's something that I mentioned earlier, that it was like, it's exactly what it's saying here. Some of the issues you may be dealing with are blocking parental time, confusing communication, blaming and projecting problems onto you, false accusations believed by courts, turning child against you, making you out to be the bad parent, tarnishing your character, always late, changing plans and not showing up, avoiding parental responsibilities, excessive tweets, sweets, electronics, late nights, their needs and desires come first, emotionally, physically, um, well, emotionally, psychologically abusive, controlling with money. Now, this part here, and I know I mentioned it earlier because when we were talking about, you know, 
us as ourselves as you know we were growing up that what we went through and what we saw myself now with my situation when it comes to my my son and everything is set on here oh my goodness it's right to the point because that's exactly what he's been doing and it sucks so again anybody who's out there listening please oh my goodness if you know if you have to i'm telling you right now if you have to fight in court and if you have to do what you do please continue the fight don't ever agree to joint custody because that is the situation i'm in my understanding from joint custody i was told that unless if it's not something very very serious or any way that i can prove they won't just take away the joint custody the only reason i got it because i needed help at the time and i thought you know my son could stay with his father and thought that it would work out but i was going through a moment i was vulnerable at the time so he kind of took advantage of the situation judge decided she says you can't come to court to keep changing it back and forth she came up with the brilliant idea of let's do joint custody and boy this is what whew, this was like 2013 i so freaking regret it i i can't because if it would have been something that if if you can come up with a deal of you know making well it's kind of hard to come up with an agreement with a, a freaking narcissist but if it would have been easier that we could have just notarized something just saying that you know that he was with him and that i knew about it but it's in place and i'm actually going to make sure that now i'm going to put in the fight for it because um my son's going through a lot and it's everything that's been stated here and it sucks because people forget that these are the same children who are going to grow up to be adults don't know if they're going to do this to other people maybe maybe not some actually like i said some do become abusers when they grow up some actually because of what they experience say you know what i don't want to be this person and, and some don't but this is something that like um lydia said something that we do need to look into and, and, and think about it when we see a child who's misbehaving what are the reasons behind it and if you're one of those people around you will know exactly why they behave the way they do many things to think about moving forward about why a child misbehaves it could be many things it could be sexual abuse it could be abuse it could be anything that we really don't know and we're automatically calling that person a bad child because we don't really know what's happening behind those closed doors and we're just assuming again that they're a bad child and not even knowing not asking the right questions and things like that because i think if i was um I'm correct i think when you're a mandated reporter i think there's supposed to be a thing where i don't think you're supposed to kind of like coach them in what to say I don't know if there's a way to ask certain questions and just maybe just maybe a simple yes or no from them because if you start to give in i guess things about why it is sometimes the kid won't understand or they might say yes to things or maybe just let them be able to just talk freely and just say hey you know if anything's going on you want to talk about it because again these are the children i'm gonna say it again these are the children who are one day going to become an adult and if we can help as much as we can anybody of whatever profession you're in whether school, a social worker. And I mean, even some of the social workers know these situations, but definitely things to look into. I'm trying to see if there's anything else on here. So this is actually, okay, so this is the last one. And this is something that I've noticed too. It says mediation and co-parenting plan. That's definitely one thing we cannot do because of like everything that was listed. It, it's, it's a little game. I don't have time for the games. For the fact that because I've been through this for so many years, 
I tell people that mediation is not going to work. I feel I'm one of those people like once we leave court, he's back to the same bullshit. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. So like I said, I'll stay in court as long as I have to, but I'm not going to agree to anything because he seems that he wants to have sole legal custody of my son. And that's the last thing that he's going to get. So, but mediation and co-parenting plan. It says one of the ways you protect your own parenting rights and, and lessen drama, conflict and abuse is to have an airtight parenting plan with the right language and points. In most states, you are required to go through mediation before going in front of a judge to work out a parenting plan. A plan that works for 70% of parents will not work for those dealing with a high conflict personality. Communication, custody, visitation, education, medical, finances, traveling, moving, and other general topics must be airtight because they like abusing gray areas. Oh, man, I'm telling you, reading this brings back flashbacks because, like I said, this is exactly what I'm going through. And again, this is why I'm always talking about these things. And I'm going to say it again. It's important to talk about it. I'm not going to be quiet about when it comes to this subject, because like I said, there's so many people out there experiencing it. And maybe they might need to hear someone who's been through it. Maybe give them that support. And that's another thing, too. If you know anybody who's going through an abusive situation, the most you can do, just be there for that person. Just be a listening ear. Don't judge. Don't, again, like don't judge, don't victim shame. Just be able, just listen to them. And also for the ones who are going through it, make sure it's somebody that you trust because we also have to remember sometimes the person you're talking to might know your spouse or, who, or your partner, whoever you're with. And if you happen to share that information, just know that they will go and tell them. So you have to see the type of relationship that your partner or the person you're with has with somebody else who might be one of your friends, family members, whether yours, theirs, things you need to look out for because it's horrible. You, you know, you feel that you want to trust someone to talk and just let everything out. And even in those situations, it's scary because the person doesn't even know what they're doing is causing more harm than good. Like you're, you know, so I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I've, I feel like I've touched all the important points whether if you're a, a single parent, you have children, um, relationships. So I'm hoping that I've touched everything that I wanted to discuss tonight because I'm going to say it again. It's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And again, I'm going to say it again. You're not alone. If you need to talk to someone, please do. And like I said, I'm going to be your voice. As much as people think that because they're surprised that I'm actually able to talk about this and make lives, people assume like I'm not, I'm not where I used to be in the beginning. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to be the one hunched sitting in the corner crying. I feel like, again, if I can, you know, share what I know and, and give a voice, I'm going to do it. I'm not afraid. That's the whole point. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid. So that's basically for me, that is the main point of where I'm at, I'm at in my life. Because people are surprised when they hear me talking about it and and think that maybe whatever I said must be a lie because they expect me to, to be damaged to the point where, you know, I, I can't talk about it. I have no problem talking about it. If it helps someone, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I don't know if ladies, you can hear me. I don't know if there's anything else you maybe want to mention, talk about if there's a message that you want to give to anyone who's out there listening. Um, 
if you want to share, that would be great. Yeah, just thank you. Thank you for doing this. Um, you know, it takes it takes a lot to stand up and on a public platform and tell your story um, and also give others opportunities to also share their stories. Um, and so I would just continue to encourage women like you've done and men and children um, to speak out when they see things. You know, a lot of times we, we live in this world where it's like, oh, if it doesn't involve me, I don't want to say anything. Um, but no, we have to um, be a community. We have to stick up for each other. Um, and if we see things, you know, we need to report it. It can be anonymous. You know, mandated reporting even can be anonymous. You know, it doesn't have to have a name and a face on it. Um, and so if you're afraid or maybe afraid of retaliation, think about doing it anonymously. All right. Thank you. I wanted to read something real quick. Um, Denise, I know I lost you for a minute. Um, I'm going to repeat again what I said, but I'm going to read what you wrote over here. It says, one of the things I've heard once I started telling a few people is that they couldn't see how I could let myself get in that situation. Do you know how much that makes me mad? And in my mind, it's like, you know, I feel like I made my point and I'm happy with it. And everybody else who doesn't believe me can, as they said, they could go fuck off because it's kind of like, how dare you sit there and say how, how you let yourself get into that situation. A lot of people don't understand. Sometimes feelings, emotions, things get caught up and, and people just don't understand. Just like everybody else has feelings and fall in love. Why don't we ask them like, how did you end up in that situation? How, why do you love that person? Why do you feel that way? It's the same thing when we end up being, you know, with a narcissist or just anybody who's who's fucked up. You know, it's one of those things that people just don't understand and want to know, like, how? Like, for myself, like I said, I'm guilty of it when they're like, how do I let myself keep, you know, keep getting myself in these situations? And it's like at times I'm like, you know, I, I, I did know better. But at the same time, it's like, damn, like, come on. I saw the signs. It took time because of how I felt. I mean, if, if it was for somebody else and I didn't have feelings, I would cut that person right off with no problem. But I feel like that's kind of like victim shaming and just, you know, trying to make someone feel like, damn, if that was me, they wouldn't do that. You know how many times I've seen the same people say that and then the situations they're in and you're just like, you just lectured me and made me feel bad, but you're going through the same thing. But um, Denise, um, so I was saying before, if there's a message, anything you want to say to anyone's listening. Um... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, look, never be ashamed to say it, it, it's strength and power. It takes strength to step out and say, you know what? I need help. You know, I'm going through this. And just to, you know, elaborate a little bit of what I wrote in the text, um, you know, very few people know, but this was an ex. He was like, well, I couldn't see. He was like, knowing the kind of woman you are now. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't know me then. You know, I was coming out of a marriage and the ending of that marriage. It wasn't easy. You know, it. it we never had a custody dispute or anything like that. But just when we first separated, you know, that was kind of messing with my self-esteem. So then with this person to say, you know, that he was showing me attention. It was like, oh, wow. You know, he wants, you know, I, I'm the focus of his attention. So at that point, I was willing to do and just about take and accept anything that he dished my way because it was for the attention. But, you know, 
now I know better. I know I'm worth more than that. And then also um, just we got to understand domestic violence is not just between heterosexual people. Same-sex people go through it as well. And sometimes I'm going to say it's worse. Um, I had a good friend of mine. Um, well, actually, she wasn't even a good friend then. We were, we were Facebook friends. We had met occasionally. And for some reason, she reached out to me. She was like, yo, I need help. And I was like, for what? She was like, I need to get out of where I am. She was in Georgia at the time. I don't want to say too much details because this is her story, not my story. When she's ready to tell, she'll tell it. But she was in Atlanta. She was in, and she was like, I need to come back home. And for the life of me, still to this day, I can't figure out why she reached out to me. But nevertheless, I made some calls to some other mutual people that we knew to see who we could get to her down there. Because she said, you know, her girlfriend would grab her by her hair and beat the stew out of her. So she cut her hair. And so, you know, just, I would say, if somebody ever reaches out to you and say, yo, I need help, you know, I need to get out. Don't ever question them, you know. Not Well, I wouldn't say don't ever question them, but just, Think about the questions that you do ask, right? Because you may doubt them, and then that may be the loss of that person's life. That is so true. And thank you for bringing that up. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I forgot to mention that, and it's true. It also has to, uh, it also happens with um, same sex partners. And that's another thing where I don't know why people think that it can't happen. It's just like, like I was saying before, even women also abuse men, but they can also abuse other women that they're with. So it's not like it's not possible, but it just sucks when um, people don't consider that to also be something because I've heard stories about same-sex partners and, and the, the one partner being abusive and they're looking at the person like she beat you up or he's beating you up and i'm like why would it be so surprising and why is it a shock people can be abusive it doesn't matter who you are so even in those situations it can happen but it just sucks when they just kind of you know make light of it and that's that's the type of thing that's just been it's been for years and it's everywhere and how just people see other people and it's and it's really sad but i'm 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 so happy that you brought that up and that you mentioned it so since i'm looking at the time so i just want to say to the women because of the situation i had to put somebody on blast and i just felt like i needed to give this message out to the women even besides this whole like domestic thing but as women, we really need to stick up for each other. We need to look out for each other. We need to uplift each other, support each other, be able to compliment each other. Because I feel that when it comes to some men, because I need to put it out there, not all, not all men are like that. Just like not all women are a certain way. But to some of those men, we need to show them because they feel and they prey on women that they think that have no love for themselves, no confidence, 
you know, and it sucks. And we should be able to stick up for each other because that's what they like. They like how they can come in between women and have us fighting each other over a piece of shit because that's what they're, I'm gonna keep saying it. And I can't, I don't know if um, Instagram is gonna ban me, but since I'm on this show, we're able to um, actually curse. We don't have to, you know, there's no censoring here. If I wanna say like every word on here, it's okay. This show, you can actually speak very freely on here. I don't know what's gonna happen when they happen to see this, but let's see. Um, but yes, we, we really do need to um, support each other because I've noticed that it's like, we need to know, like I usually tell myself and not to be all like conceited, but you have to have those moments where you have to say, you know what, you are beautiful. You are gorgeous, you are sexy, whatever it is. You have to let yourself know because again, some of these men will prey on that. The minute you show the slightest little thing or anything, that's what they're gonna prey on. They're gonna think, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't feel sexy or she doesn't. And knowing that you've seen yourself on social media, you know how people look at you and admire you. Don't ever let none of these motherfuckers ever tell you otherwise, because that's exactly why I feel like I had to say something because I saw the type of women he was preying on and I did not like that. It's like women that needed validation from another man just to say that they're beautiful. No, you need to say that to yourself. Don't wait and expect for a man to say it. Don't let it be that because a man says it, you're going to then say, sit there and believe that you're beautiful. No, you have to believe that yourself. That way we can suffocate these motherfuckers. And I don't mean like actually suffocating them. I'm just trying to say so we can take away that power from them. Take away that power from them. Let them know that you're a fucking bad bitch. Don't ever let them make you feel otherwise less of a person or nothing like that. Because like I said, they know exactly what they're looking for. They know the type of women they're trying to prey on. No, let it be known. If you knew who you were before they met you, continue that. Watch out for the things that they say. Because sometimes we kind of like, I've, I'm going to admit it, I've actually overlooked some things. But then now when I sit back and think about it, I was like, this motherfucker here was really trying to kind of insult me in a way about my weight, telling me that being big is not sexy or that for a big woman, he's surprised that I'm actually flexible. Oh, can we say insulting? Like, really? These are things that sometimes, again, we might overlook, but when you really sit down and think about it, these motherfuckers are really telling us shit, trying just to, just, you know, working their way little by little just to break us down to the point to where they want us to be. And then that's where it all starts with the control, the manipulation, the gaslighting, the making you think you're crazy, second guessing yourself. All of these things we need to. And that's why, again, people might see me a certain way. People might not like me thinking, why is Angie always doing these lives? What is Angie complaining? No, Angie's not complaining. Angie is in a point in her life where I feel like it's time to motivate, inspire, support, put the word out there, send that message out there. And especially when it comes to women, it's not about me complaining. I'm making sure that you know, this is the type of people that are out there because maybe you might be going through the same thing just from certain things I might be saying, you might be going through the same thing. That is one of the reasons why I'm always speaking up. I don't do lives to complain. I've been through it. Somebody else been through it. And that's the whole point because we go through similar things. And I think it's always good for somebody to speak up because that's always the thing. They feel that, that somebody's never going to speak up 
they don't think that we're not here to defend other people, but I know I am. And that's why I'm looked at a certain way because she's always got something to say. You're damn right. I'm going to continue to speak up because you're not going to be able to keep me quiet unless otherwise, but I'm going to speak up for those women who are not ready to, who are probably not understanding what's going on, but I'm here to speak up for you. Like I said, let's suffocate these motherfuckers. Let's take away their power because that's what it's all about. Take away that power. Boy, did I sure do that. Because the minute that I put this person on blast, did they change everything up real quick? Because you know why? Because they know they were wrong. They got rid of a lot of people. They did a lot of things where it's just like, oh, so you know you did wrong. Now you don't want nobody to hear the truth. So I'm so now we know that I'm not the crazy and insecure one here. Never I was. I was I never because I have I have the proof, like I said it before, of everything that I said was true. And that's the part that would have me that I'm not, I'm gonna say it. So that's the part that had me so mad, so upset. And people are like, you know, like just know that you know that no, not me. I couldn't do it because I was so pissed off. Like they say, hell hath no fury when a woman is scorned. And that was me. I was not hurt. I was more mad. Mad, why? Because he called me crazy. That was the main thing. He called me crazy and insecure all that time. And then to find out everything that I knew and I felt was true. And I think that's what pissed me off. I confronted him. I have no problem doing that. I mean, I, I cursed him and said everything, every name in the book, because that's just me. I could have walked away. I mean, I have now. I know that now I can go about my life feeling better. And I do feel much better because that was, how do you say, that was baggage. That was weight that I needed to let go and get rid of because that was somebody who was going to be blocking my blessings. I did not need that type of negativity in my life. I did not need that because where I'm going, he couldn't go. He needs to stay where the fuck he's at. And eventually... The women who chose not to, and I mean, this is life, and I've learned that too. The women who did not want to to listen to me or thought that, you know, and, and, and what we talked about too, be like, some women, and I have to always say the word some because I don't think everybody needs to be in the same category. Some women will always think, he will never do that to me. I'm not you. Really? He probably do it and you don't even know. And if And if you do feel or know, you're not going to say nothing about it. That's the worst thing people do when they, they have this whole little thing about that. That's not going to happen to me. He's not doing that to me. We don't know what he's doing. Not me. I'm a detective. I'm a private eye. I'll look into everything. And again, my gut feeling and instinct told me what I already knew. So don't ever say ever. Don't ever say it's never going to happen or that you think you have a good man. Again, I don't know what the definition of a good man, but not, not men like that. Not men who try to abuse a woman take her money, manipulate, lie. That's not a definition of a good man. To all those friends, to all those friends and people who defend these motherfuckers, I'm sorry. That That's, I don't know what to say, but y'all can keep defending him. You could put your hand in the fire, throw yourself in a lake. <laughs> I don't know, but that's not a definition of a good man. I need someone to actually write it out for me and tell me what a good man is. But if you think that's a good man, that's on you. I just know I don't have to ever deal with the bullshit again. I don't have to be upset, crying, disappointed, thinking, you know, what's going on. Never again. Do I go through this? Of course. I mean, we're human. I mean, in the beginning, a person makes you feel so good. You would never think that later on they're going to turn into a complete asshole. It's like my friend says, that whole three-month dating rule. 
within those three months, sometimes you could really get to know a person. Maybe you get to see already little signs already from the beginning. And that's that's your cue. That's your thing to say, you know what? I got to get away from this motherfucker because he's already starting to say things that are like funny mean. Like, you know, when people joke around and they say shit and you're just kind of like, that's not really funny, but you're laughing about it. But, you know, what you're saying is really fucked up. So kind of a lot of things to, to look for. And I'm really hoping this message reaches somebody who's watching because, like I said, my this Instagram page is actually open to people to view. And I really hope this um this helps somebody or to get a better understanding. But, you know, we live in a life where people are going to people are going to judge. People are going to be bullies. People are going to be assholes. This is why at times, you know, I I have to take time away from social media sometimes, maybe not really but i just know whatever people say in my mind it's like you're definitely not fucking better than me and i'm talking about the people who, who will say fucked up shit to me or whatever i've said it before and i was joking around but i'm like unless if you could walk on water or walk through fire then you can come say shit to me and think that you're fucking better than me if you're not walking on water and walking through fire you know take time to think about your life and learn how to be a little bit more humble and a little bit understanding because you know as as they say the only one thing that is guaranteed that will happen and we can't avoid is death that is one thing that is definitely will happen to all of us so yeah, you could be smug and an asshole and everything you want that's perfectly cool as i say karma is a bitch because she really is and she's coming for you and what comes around goes around so I just want to say thank you so much for the ladies that came on. Thank you, Denise. Um, I know Lydia had to go. Thank you for sharing your stories. Because again, as we all talk about it, you see, we, we share similar situations, even if it's not, you know, even if it could be a different person, whoever they are, but we're all going through that same thing. No matter what situation it is, we're all going through it. So I just want to say we're ending the show. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Check us out on thewakeupradio.com and otwtube.com. You can catch replays on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. Shout out again to my producer, Cindy Ashby. Tune in next week on The Wake Up Radio at 9 for another segment of Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. Remember, life is too short. Enjoy life to the fullest. Good night. Until next time. Bye. individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashley Production. On the wake up. Hola, I'm your hostess, Boricua Angie, and I'm on the Wake Up Radio Thursdays at 9. My show is called Thoughts of a Light Skin Woman. That is also my IG handle and Gmail. The holidays, the winter is coming. I sell pasteles and coquito. And also, I do digital flyers. If you're interested, hit me up. I got my girls on, my swag on, my shoes on.